Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. Well, today's episode is once again sponsored by Faithful Counseling. Have you guys checked them out yet? It's always so encouraging when people do reach out to me to let me know that they have gotten help from this amazing online service. I just can't say it enough. Quality Christian counseling is a worthy investment and such a powerful tool in the fight for joy in the middle of this broken world. I would love for you to use my 10% off code at faithfulcounseling.com slash fighting for joy. I'll put the link in my show notes. And don't forget that you're always welcome to email me at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com if you need the link, you want more information, or you just want to share about how these services have impacted and helped you or somebody that you care about. I would love to hear from you. Well, today I'm really grateful for the willingness of my friend Jen Polis to come on the show and share some of the difficult things that she has had to walk through in life, specifically fighting and thankfully beating cancer. And not just once, but twice. Almost everyone has been affected by cancer one way or another. The treatments, the isolation, the fear, and the physical changes that often accompany a cancer diagnosis can totally rob even the happiest person of joy. I've learned a lot from Jen, especially walking more closely with her these last couple of years through her second cancer diagnosis, through the loss of some mutual friends, and through transitioning together into these empty nester years. I know you're going to love getting to know her a little bit today as you listen to her open up about what it's like to get that awful cancer diagnosis and how she has learned to fight for joy. Well, hi, Jen. Thanks for being here. Hello. How are you? Good. I'm excited about our conversation today and thankful for your willingness to come and record with me. Me too. Yeah. Thank so you for, Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. I'm feeling yeah. very humbled and excited and Good. all those things. Good. Well, I know you're going to have good stuff to share. Um, so you and I have been connected in various ways over the years. I was thinking about that and... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the first time we met was probably over a decade ago, maybe 12 or 13 years ago when Jackson was in baseball with your son, Alex, and Justine was in middle school with your son, Drew, and our lives just kind of started overlapping a little bit with kids and activities and different friends. I think so. I was thinking about that too, uh, knowing that we were going to talk about this, and I'm not exactly sure where we crossed, but we crossed somewhere, and then Mm -hmm. we did a coffee group together mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. thing and um yeah we it's like a curvy road we keep crossing crisscrossing right. as as yeah. the stages are going on with that's our right. lives mm-hmm. that's right mm-hmm. yeah and I remember the golf club getting connected with your niece when yep. she was taking yep. care of Andrea and our kids kind of playing together and just being in similar activities and so we've both been living in and involved in the Fremont community for many years but mm-hmm. I do feel like our friendship started to grow a little deeper a few years ago when our mutual friend Julie Ross pulled a few of us together to restart a little morning coffee group. We had been doing one, like you said, it kind of broke off. Um, But then I remember Julie was in a funk and, you know, to her credit, she didn't pull away and pull inward. She reached out and there were four of us who started to meet and we only got to meet a few times Mm -hmm. together before sadly she passed away. And maybe we can talk about that more later. We'll see. But I'm just, I'm really grateful for Julie's intentionality and the end result of you and I getting a little closer. Uh, Julie has always been mm-hmm. intentional, just like 
mm-hmm. our friend Jody. Jody right. is like I think she invented the word <laughs> and the <laughs> she action. She probably did. Yes. Yes. And uh-huh. so uh, with all of that, but that's the funness, greatness of. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you want to call our group. Mm-hmm. We're all different personalities. And oh, yeah, I don't know. We tend to, we never have a lack of words when no. we're all together talking. And um, no, well, it's a safe yeah. space. So it, bring... it's just fun. I, yeah, yeah I, I just go with it. Me you know, too. you can't explain it. You just yeah. go with it. But yeah. And especially in the season of life that we're in now too, we've had similar things. We both have had a big move. We both have had kids get married. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just were empty nesters. So it is, it's nice to have friends who understand the season of life you're in. It's been good. Yes. Yeah. Well, as we get started, I would love for you to just um, share a little bit about you, um, about your family, your life here in Fremont, just kind of introduce yourself to my listeners. Okay. Well, um, I'm Jennifer Polis, but most everybody calls me Jen. Um, so Jen Polis is how I'm going to introduce myself. Um, let's see. I grew up in this area. I grew up in North Bend um, and then uh, went to school um, at Kearney State uh, for several years. And then uh, my husband, Jeff, uh, whom we knew each other since junior high, Love that. Uh, we kind of started dating unexpectedly and uh it got it was too hard to he was down in lincoln i was down at Kearney, and it was too hard to be away from each other so i decided mm-hmm. i better get out of Kearney and grow up and um so i transferred everything to lincoln and then finished nursing mm-hmm. school and mm-hmm. so been a nurse i should say I'm, i hate to say it maybe retired a little mm-hmm. bit mm-hmm. but uh 30 years of nursing and uh, so Jeff and I have been married uh, 33 years this year. We have three children. They're all adults. Let's see, Alex is 27, Drew is 24, and Andrea is 20. And uh, we're empty nesters. We've had just last summer, we were going through two weddings. So now mm-hmm. I have two um, mm-hmm. new daughters. So that's mm-hmm. been fun. And, uh, you know, our lives are just kind of whirlwinds right now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a lover of cats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of have a... My first cat lady on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cat whisperer. <laughs> it seems like all the stray cats come to my yard. Yeah, you um, take good so care I, of them. I, I, I love cats. Uh, really, I that's really about it. I... I'm a business owner, I guess mm-hmm. I should say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how about a trick of all trades? Yes, I think that's a great description. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm always going in 20 different directions, I would say. It's like, oh, you want yes. this over here? Okay, I'll do that. Or yes. this over there? Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Yep, yep, yep. A full life for sure, doing yeah. a lot of things yes. for a lot of people. You are very yes. service-oriented. I love that about you. Well, I wanted to have you on because of some of the harder things you've had to go through the last few years, and um, namely cancer, your cancer journey. And I think cancer can be a really scary word for a lot of people. Um, you know, I my mom passed away a couple of years ago after her second bout of breast cancer. Um, almost everybody knows somebody who has um, gone through a cancer journey. Um, and, you know, as I I knew we were going to talk about this today, so I looked up some statistics as I prepared. And in 2023, as a woman in the United States, the lifetime risk of developing cancer is one in three. So I believe that. So it's a 39.1% chance, and it's even higher for men at 40.9% chance. Um, but as you and I have talked about before, it's still a topic that 
we don't hear being talked about much in normal everyday conversations. And again, I think it's scary. And I think there's almost a sense of if we don't talk about it, maybe our chances of it go down, which is weird logic. Um, (laughs) So I'm really thankful for your willingness to come on and just share a little bit about your story today. Um, Because sadly, a lot of times I think a cancer diagnosis can bring with it isolation and loneliness and people just don't know how to help. They don't know what to do, what to say. And I think cancer is one of the things in life that can really challenge and hinder our fight for joy. Um, But here you are, Jen, Mm -hmm. in front of me with joy and with hope and with a community that adores you and that you adore. And I haven't seen cancer harden you and make you better. And in fact, I've seen cancer make you more kind and more beautiful and more compassionate. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I guess I feel a little bit, I, I feel a little, except especially with this second round, I feel a little bit hardened. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it's, it, I'm, we're, every day is a, a working progress. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, it's, and, and I by far have, have had it easier than others. So I feel very, um, humbled as mm-hmm. we talked before, because mm-hmm. there's, there's been, uh, cases where, uh, cancer patients have mm-hmm. had, you know, worst case, uh, prognosis and, um, you know, people passing away, uh, mm-hmm. from it at a mm-hmm. young age. And, mm-hmm. and, and so there is a little bit of a survivor's guilt with mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but I, I guess my main focus of the whole cancer journey is I'm a big believer in there's a reason why some of these things happen it's a path it's my path that was supposed to happen and I just keep walking the path and trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do with it and so that's kind of what I would like to focus on today or that's 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 the only way I can keep my head yeah above above water yeah it's a beautiful way to look at it and that's the only way I can look at it because I don't yeah. know how to explain it, but that's that's just what I focus on. Yeah. It's like I know there's a reason for this, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. God, could you just could you just like put a sign up so I can clearly mm-hmm. see it? I'm a very black and white person, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and you know I'm I I speak my mind. I'm very clear, pretty much. I what you see is what you get, mm-hmm. and so I'm thinking, oh, is this why God <laughs> gave me a a voice because I can use it pretty good. So I, so I, I just, I just, yeah. I'm trying to really just go with it. And I use yeah. the phrase a lot. Um, I'm walking on water hmm. and that's the, I just get out of the boat and start walking. Now I walk very fast, but I, <laughs> I, that's the, how I envision it. Yeah. Kind of, I'm just, I'm just going to walk and then I'm just going to go with it. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it's a beautiful way to to face all of this and to walk through it. So let's let's just dive into your story. Just tell me a little bit about your first cancer diagnosis. Just how long ago that was. Um, how you found out. Just the beginnings okay. of your journey. Well, let's see. It was in two thousand and seven, March nineteenth, two thousand and seven. It's funny how those dates yeah. are yep. just engraved in your brain, and mm-hmm. you remember it like it yes. was yesterday. Yes. Um, I not sick. I was working full time, um, in a pediatric office. Um, we were at the auction, uh, Trinity auction. Um, it was a Sunday and, 
thinking back about all of this, you go, oh, this is how is it, it was supposed to line up. Uh, feeling fine. I was not sick. I wasn't feeling bad. Um, we got home that evening and my husband, Jeff, travels for work and he was actually leaving like at catching the early flight to Denver that morning, next morning. And I had woken up in the middle of the night and I had uh, lower right sided pain and I thought, oh, I just slept on my hip funny, okay. And then it just, it got worse and worse and worse. And I thought, huh, do I have appendicitis? Hmm. And I didn't want to wake Jeff up because I knew he had to get up in a couple hours. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I tried all these things. I tried soaking in the bathtub. I tried this and I thought, hmm, something's going on. And I think just with my nursing mm -hmm. um, background, I'm like, this pain doesn't feel right. And I could just tell I was probably going to have surgery of some sort that wow. day. I knew it was that bad. And as the wee hours of the morning were um, going, Jeff's alarm goes off. And I said, I've been up all night. Hmm. And I said, there's something wrong. And, and of course, Jeff is, uh, <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's in the zone. He's working. He's got to catch a flight. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to tell him not to go because about hmm. that time it all is gone. Yeah. It relieves itself and everything's great. And he had to cancel that flight. So I thought, hmm. I'm going to let him go on that flight. And I guess I was probably putting up a a little bit of a front, not letting him know how bad I felt. Mm. Um, but I knew I was going to have surgery that day. Wow. So I sent him off mm. and I laid in bed and I watched the clock um, turn 630. So I had a plan because I have three kids at home and they were... Um, let's see, they were 12, eight and four. Mm. And I was uh, scheduled to work that day at the office and we carpool and stuff. So I had it all figured out of, I'm going to call this person, this person, and this person, someone to take me to the ER, someone to, mm. uh, take Alex, Drew and Andrea. And mm -hmm. I called, uh, my good friend Paige, which Dr. Greppy mm -hmm. and at whom mm -hmm. I also was working for, I called her to come pick me up. And my sister, so to like pick a mom, Andrew. I know we're <laughs> trying to go. We I got to do this, this, yes, this. Yes. And, and I remember as time went on, the pain got worse, but my right leg was then going numb oh, and I couldn't, I couldn't walk, oh, but man. I didn't want the kids to be mm -hmm. scared. And I knew that something was not right, but I, it's a mom. You just, mm -hmm. you get them yeah. up. And you're like, okay, I just let you guys know mom's not feeling very good today. Mm -hmm. So we're going to, I'm going to have this person take you, this person take you, and this person yeah. take you. And I'm not sure who's going to pick you up from school today. You know, and that was before we had cell phones mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the kids weren't old enough anyway, but that's yeah. Um, yeah. just getting that all planned. But anyway, everybody got off and I knew it was going to be bad. Um, went to the ER and laid there all day. And one thing I will say that I have found, I'm not a, my health is not a black and white, typical textbook hmm. um, scenario. And so I was there all day in the ER and they just didn't really know what, hmm. 
what it was, what to do. Um, they did, we did do a scan and um, they did see a mass, but they thought it was more of a fluid filled thing. So mm. then we were thinking, oh, maybe it's more of an ovary, ovarian cyst kind mm. of situation. Mm. And we we're waiting for uh, OB doctor, which I, I know all of them, which mm-hmm. is helpful. Yeah. And um, by the time I had surgery, then it was probably four o'clock in the afternoon. So um, I hung out. And when did you tell Jeff that you were in the hospital? <laughs> I think my sister finally called him and said, she's going into surgery. And I said, basically said, we have everybody taking care of the kids are all taken care of. So get your business done that you need to. And mm-hmm. I- I'll see you when you get back. Cause I just, I really thought it was just an ovarian cyst or something. Mm-hmm. I just thought, yeah, what, how hard can this be? Yeah. So, so then they did a biopsy. And then well, it- we went into surgery and, um, the reason my leg was numb is that this, this, mass or whatever was tangled in a bunch of nerves in my Mm. right lower groin and so um they could not really remove it they Mm. needed a neurosurgeon so but um the doctor um did do biopsies of it anytime you have a mass or any kind of foreign i don't want to say foreign but a an object or a tissue that they don't know what it is they automatically take Mm -hmm. um biopsies of it and so Basically, they did that, and I was in the hospital a week with mm. pain control because they could not figure out really what mm. what what to do. And um, and everybody was saying your blood work is fine. Mm-hmm. It probably not a big deal. So I kind of had that in my brain that this is mm-hmm. not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so then um, I they wanted me to go see a an OBGYN oncologist. Now I was a little panicked about that when they said oncologist, but um, they explained it to me that, well, this, he knows this area. Well, we're going to have a neurosurgeon come in and help get through those. So we went down to Omaha and my sister, my best friend from high school, her mom, whom is my second mom, because my mom had died mm-hmm. uh, several mm-hmm. years prior to that. Mm-hmm. And Jeff and I, we all went down there. And why they were all with me, I don't know. Hmm. Um, I don't know why we all were in that appointment together. I have, I don't really remember why. Mm-hmm. But even that that oncologist, uh, GYN oncologist said, I've never seen, because hmm. they had pictures of it. I've never seen anything like this. I I don't think this is a big deal. Hmm. He says the most we're going to have is maybe some nerve leg um, damage to your leg. And I remember sitting at that table thinking, you mean to tell me that I'm not going to be able to run and run with my kids? Hmm. That's what I was thinking the entire time. And I was feeling a little bit crabby about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, re- I remember thinking, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. going to be able to run or uh, walk or do, you know, jack around with my kids. And um, he said, so we're going to go in for surgery, but I need you to do um, some pre-lab or do some uh, uh, pre-surgery lab work. And it's like, okay. Hmm. And we went down to the waiting area for lab and we were all sitting there. In fact, we were talking about, hey, let's go out for pizza. I mean, that's how Hmm. it, it 
it was not a threat at all. And I could see then that um, GYN oncologist then come down the hallway towards us. Mm. And he said, can I speak with you into this room? And so we all went in there like, yeah, what, what you got? And he said, your doctor here in Fremont just called and you have lymphoma. Hmm. It was wow, just that blunt. Wow. But uh, I, 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 it hit me like a, like someone slapped me across the face. Mm-hmm. I wondered how, you know, with you, with your nursing background, your medical background, if, if it would hit you as hard as somebody who wasn't as aware of all the things that can go wrong in a body, you know, as maybe a nurse would be, but I, I, yeah, I lost it. Cause when he said lymphoma, I knew that meant lymph nodes. Mm-hmm. I knew that, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. there's, you have lymph nodes everywhere. And I had instantly pictured it is all over and, uh, I inst I I I waited to the physician to leave, and um, hmm. I, I I cried as about as hard as you can think of it. And it's like you get a flash of, oh my gosh, my kids are. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. wait a minute. I didn't I didn't get to see them turn sixteen. And what about what about proms? What about high school sports? What about mm-hmm. college? What about marriages, weddings? I, I mean, all those things just flashed I mean in an instant yeah and I was probably crying because of that and I think it was just the shock because it was just 10 minutes ago it was like are Mm -hmm. we going for pizza Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um I I I instantly the physician came back in and he said we can get you up the oncologist wants Mm. to see you and I said okay and so the next thing you know it we're sitting in an oncology waiting room wow and I remember just sitting there and looking around at everybody in there and I thought you've got to be kidding me mm-hmm. um I'm going to be in these shoes I am in these shoes but I was looking at different patients mm. and mm-hmm. I remember thinking mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna run now mm-hmm. I'm running Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. And I thought if I, if, if there were doors to the hospital right at my side, I would have ran. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I would have ran, mm-hmm. but I would have ran. Mm-hmm. I would have ran so I fast. I think that's so relatable, Jen. I think it's just, you just want to run, escape, just. And, and I was, I was, I, I, I was just trying to, you're just trying to wrap your brain around it. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. And and having I, your mind go to your kids right away too. That's also that was right to my as a kids. Mom, that's what we do. I mean, same thing with me. As soon as they told us about Jackson, the first thing I thought of was my kids. You know, it's just it's one thing for us to have to go through something. It's a whole other thing mm-hmm. to picture the effects it's going to have on our kids. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, mm-hmm. I, I guess I was instantly thinking of the loss of my mom, and she had cancer as as well, lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and and instantly I thought of, you know, I was 30 some years old when I lost my mom. Mm-hmm. How is a 12 year old, an eight year old and a four year old supposed to handle this? Mm-hmm. How? And I, I think that's what I was thinking. And I thought, mm-hmm. you've got to mm-hmm. be kidding me. Mm-hmm. And and so I kind of felt that way. And I kind of it was just a very surreal. I wanted to run so badly. Mm-hmm. I, I was trying to think of every th- every case scenario on how to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm. thinking 
what kind of work can I do to pay enough money mm. to hand this over to whatever mm-hmm. or throw this away because mm-hmm. yeah. I yeah. don't want any part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly didn't think my life was going to be uh, one with with cancer, with a cancer diagnosis. I really thought, you know, we, we have a strong family history of heart issues. And I just thought, mm-hmm. I, I, this isn't what? the way. Yeah. Yeah. So how long of a, a journey was it? What were your, how long were your treatments? How, what was the next? So I was diagnosed uh, with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, so that's a process too. So what they, basically they, they do an inst, uh, initial biopsy and they have to test that and it, and it does take time and it, and it seems like it lingers on and on and on. But if you really want them to have the right cell type, cause there's, you know, different cell types. And then with those cell types, that's, I call it, that's the recipe they need mm-hmm. for the chemo medication. So they they want to make sure they get the cell type right. Um, there's several things you have to do, and especially with lymphoma, um, you know, it affects the lymph nodes, which they consider that a blood cancer. And um, and your bone marrow mm. um, makes all those great things. And so they have to make sure it's not in the bones. And we have to do scans to see where everything is at. Um, and so that that was a real hard time as well because you felt like you were just existing and you were like a, in a, you were just bouncing from this test to this test, to this test, to mm. this test. And you kind of felt like a pincushion a little bit. Mm. And you just, you instantly were feeling yourself melt away. You were just like this shell mm. that, um, mm just going from okay now what do you have to do oh okay that's what i'm supposed to do okay i'll I'll go over here and then you get this done um the bone marrow aspiration was extremely difficult for me um Mm. that was uh, extremely painful and um i don't even hardly like to talk about it um and you know instantly when all that's happening i'm like i'm not the only Mm -hmm. one in this world that's done that and what about these children that have to go through cancer? I mean, all of these thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was it was exhausting just trying to get the treatment process. Mm-hmm. So uh, they decided mm-hmm. that um, they decide on stages. You know, it depends on where it's located and how many areas it's uh, affected. And uh, fortunately, you know, once you get diagnosed with cancer, now you're thinking, oh, okay, I have cancer. Now you're hoping. I just hope it's in one spot and not different spots. And then yeah. I, uh, as we were talking about the, the damage of my leg, it's like, could I just do the, the, the nerve damage back in my leg? I'll, I'll take that back yeah. instead. Yeah. So that puts things in perspective yes. so fast. Yeah. Um, but anyway, mm-hmm. I, I had, I had chemo. I started treatments then within that next month. And right away, it uh, it was a very aggressive uh, cell type. So um, the chemo that they used was pretty powerful. Um, I was sick. I had all the symptoms of chemotherapy. Mm. Um, they told me I was going to lose my hair in, in, in within 15 days of starting treatments. And really, is I think being a personality like that likes control, I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I don't lose yeah okay whatever mm-hmm. yep 15 days you know just that started happening and mm-hmm. um nausea 
you know, all those things that typically happen with uh, cancer mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. treatment. Mm-hmm. I had it, and it, it I was bedridden, so I started treatments in April and went every third week to um, September then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a pretty tight schedule, um, and it was like clockwork. I'd have chemo on Thursday, and um, I would sleep mm-hmm. then for about a week. Mm-hmm. And then uh, with that chemo, you know, it, it takes good takes the good with with the bad cancer so there were a lot my blood counts were low and so I'd have to have injections for that and then I would you know you're on those all those medications and this is where I think that nursing has helped Mm -hmm. because I would lay there and try and figure out if I take this med this helps with nausea but then that causes other Mm -hmm. issues and uh, you're trying to yeah I think it was a way to control the situation Mm -hmm. and so um I was very fortunate that my cancer team was very, uh, receptive for me. I felt like I was, uh, very proactive of, mm-hmm. I just decided I don't want to do any nausea drugs because I was sick anyway. And then that was causing me to be dehydrated, mm-hmm. which then causes other issues. So, um, they mm-hmm. were very good at listening to me. I said, I want to start home IVs. I want to do this. I want to do that. And they were very good at doing mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a very, very wow. difficult process. You know, just going back to uh, the first diagnosis and then coming home to that and having to tell the kids, um, mm-hmm. I can just get choked up thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I it's not that I felt sorry for myself. And I, we were we decided we were going to be very upfront with the kids because this is real life. I was not going to hide my symptoms. I wasn't going to hide um, the prognosis. Though lympho lymphoma is uh, is very survivable, but you know there's always complications with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know after we told them, and they you know obviously the Andrea was four. She didn't quite get it. Um, Alex probably understood it the most, and the the most he said was. Um, zero to 10, 10 being the worst and zero being not bad at all. Where are you at? Hmm. Hmm. And I said, I'm going to say a six. And he said, okay. Hmm. And, you know, and so I think just being upfront and honest with them, um, was helpful. And all of the things that you just listed, I mean, any of those could be enough to take all of your joy away during that. I mean, having to tell your kids all of the chemo symptoms, your life kind of stopping and having just a bunch of appointments and everything. What do you think? I mean, it's an unfair question, really, because it's all hard. But what do you think was one of the harder aspects of, of just maintaining joy during all of that? And then what were some practical things like I would just love for you to get practical and share what helped you to fight for joy during that first round? Mm, I, I would say um, the one, the most, dif- one of the most difficult things I had was we lived out in the country and at that time, and I was used to working full time and being out and about and zipping and going, and then just being stuck at home was very isolating, but I, you had, you know, several people on your podcast previously talk about community. And I had, you know, uh, a pretty tight knit community. I was in a bunco group 
those gals rallied. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I would say that people just showed up mm-hmm. and it's very hard for someone like my personality to ask for help. Um, but mm-hmm. it, it would be, we just kept the doors unlocked. You could do that out in the country. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would wake up and there would just, someone would have come and wow. brought food. And, you know, I didn't eat it, but I still had yeah. kids that needed yeah. to eat. And Jeff, you know, was traveling and, 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 and doing that. So that, that was very nice. But I would say in those times of being at home and alone, one thing, uh, it's weird when you're laying there because I didn't get out of bed much. Um, the things that you hear when you're quiet hmm. and see, mm-hmm. and one specific thing that jumped out at me, and I, this is really going to be bizarre when you say when I say this, but I'm looking at the doorway in our bedroom, and our doors are six panel doors, and I looked at that and went, I don't see a six panel door. I see a cross there hmm. and I never looked at that door differently. And I just, I looked at that door. Hmm. That's beautiful. For yeah. how many months. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. I thought if I ever wrote a book, it's going to be titled the six panel door. Oh, I love that. Well, I don't, it's just I don't know such why. a reminder too, of just, you know, when we're going through hard things like this, it can be so easy to almost gravitate towards a punishment mentality of like, well, why is God giving me this? Or, why am I having to go through that? And looking at the cross answers that whole question. I mean, it's already all it, taken care of on the cross. And, you know, that's the one reason I can't be going through this is because God, God, I mean, it's clear he loves me. So I know it's not because he doesn't love me. I knew he loved me. And I, and I will say I had days that were very, very dark um, with uh, pain mm-hmm. and suffering and you know, I, I, you think a lot when you're, when you're sick, cause that's, that's all you have, you know, is your, your mind and you think through things, you think through your life and, and you know, there, I do have a history of not making right choices. And, and I, and I did say to Jeff, is, is this punishment for, I think that's very is this punishment? Yeah. I think you, you go through that and he's like, no, no, I, no, and so I and I always just try to go back to focusing on, but maybe some of those hard times growing up um, laid the path because in my path down the road, mm-hmm. cancer mm-hmm. was always in it. Yeah. So I learned as a a kid mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to perse- persevere, uh, yeah. strength to. Yeah. Um, stand up tall when you don't want to mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i think we you know we kind of grew up with parents that were you, you didn't talk about anything you didn't mm-hmm. you know you didn't express your feelings you um yeah. and yeah. you know they were busy working and i think you know i just was always a kid that had to figure stuff out on my own mm-hmm. but looking back i think that was that mm-hmm. was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So that's just mm-hmm. how I look at things. I love that. And that six panel door. I mean, that's beautiful. The six panel that's door. That's beautiful. Okay. Well, sadly, that wasn't the end of your cancer journey. No, so it was not. 
what were the years in between because you were diagnosed again recently um yes but what were the years like in between was it filled with anxiety worry follow-up scans or were you able to kind of close that chapter and just never dream it would come back or how did you um handle that? I, uh you know i thought just thinking about that, I think instantly it goes back to the kids. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a lot of anxiety going back. You know, I'd ha- I'd have to go back every three months for scans, and um, I I I tried to look at that as if, well, I'm getting scans to see if I have anything there. Where the rest of you are just going about your day, so I know for sure after a scan, there's nothing there, yeah. so I can continue on. Yeah. Though I did have some, um weird issues just with the smell of things going back into um mm-hmm. the hospital as soon mm-hmm. as the hospital doors oh, would open the smells yeah of or just the seeing things would trigger mm-hmm. i you know vomiting or or anything yeah. like yeah. that um but i would say having young kids like that and being down in in bedridden or however you want to say it i was so excited to be free of that cancer that I just ran with it. I, I ran with it. And I think it was having kids. They saved me. Hmm. And there were a lot of things that the kids said at one particular, um, and just everyday things that you missed when you were sick or, and everything, mm-hmm. things that you don't mm-hmm. think of. I was pushing Andrea on the swing. Um, I was still going through treatments, but almost done. And she said, mommy, you can't be sick anymore. You haven't taught me how to swing on a swing yet. Mm. And I go, yeah, you're right. Mm. I haven't. So mm. it was like, okay, I'm going to get that done. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm going. So mm-hmm. I think I just hit the ground running. And another thing I thought of uh, when I was going through treatments, uh, we had a, a, a friend in my bunco group that had lost her brother uh, to a car accident. And I think this is an, another way God was working in some aspects and our whole bunk group was rallying around uh, this friend of ours and we were going to go to that funeral that day and you don't think about it but I thought I'm feeling pretty good I think I'm gonna go and I throw on a dress well I have no hair to go with the dress and I've been wearing baseball caps and it's Mm -hmm. like I can't wear a baseball cap into church what am I supposed to wear what am I supposed to wear with this dress and it was it, that was the thought process that I had there, and I thought, what do women do that mm. are going to work or 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 being out and about? Mm-hmm. Huh? There's not really anything in Fremont that has that. Mm-hmm. Huh? I think when I'm done with this, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna provide that for mm-hmm. women. I I think that that's very important. What, what do women do? Mm-hmm. So that that kind of was also a goal too when I was yeah. done with it. I just, I think I just hit the ground yeah. running because I was yeah. so excited not to be sick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the kids saved me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So excited not to be sick. And just like you said, these seeds were planted of how can I now turn all of this pain that I've gone through into a purpose and how mm-hmm. can I help other people, which is a big reason I wanted to have you on. I mean, that is your heart and that's what I've seen. I didn't know you very well at well at all when you went through the first cancer um, mm-hmm. treatments, but the second time then I did, and I got a little glimpse into just the heaviness of all of that and some of the, again, going back to the kids, what am I going to feel like on my son's wedding day? What am I going to feel like uh-huh. when I have to 
get my daughter situated at college, you know, just it, you know, the, the heaviness of the, what am I missing? What am I going to feel like? How are they going to feel with a sick Mm -hmm. mom? You know, all of those things. Um, I, I love though, what you said about, um, kind of seeing these are a couple of the problems that I, that I feel like I could help solve when I'm at a place, um, of feeling better. And you did do that. I mean, I think of my sister-in-law who had cancer, my mom who had cancer, and you didn't even really know either of them. And here you're sending them, you know, think head coverings and beautiful things that Mm -hmm. would make them feel better and, um, make them feel more beautiful, you know? And that was just such a beautiful way for you to take some of the hard stuff you've had to walk through and, and make somebody else's experience just a little bit more pleasant, maybe, you know? Well, well, thank you. I, I, I try to look at things that way. I try to go, okay, what's, I try to very hard. I would say the second diagnosis has really, um, challenged me. I will say that. Uh, and again, uh, it started, uh, yeah, share a little bit about that. I, I will, I will. I, uh, you know, I was down to going yearly checkups with uh, my oncologist, which mm-hmm. was normal routine. And I noticed a lump behind my right ear and uh, COVID was kind of all starting in mm-hmm. that. That was May of uh, 20. Mm-hmm. And we just started wearing masks and, and all that business. And I was in at an appointment. Blood work is all normal. Everything is fine. And uh, I had said, oh, yeah, hey, by the way, do you want to check this lump behind my ear? And she felt it. And she goes, well, that's way too high to be a lymph node. And we didn't know if it was just due to masks, if it was, you know, I had some cold symptoms. It wasn't a really big deal. Oh, okay. Well, just, yeah, keep an eye on it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you just cruise along. And, uh, you know, COVID hit hard. And... We lost our friend Julie then mm-hmm. in November. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're just kind of cruising mm-hmm. through that devastation of COVID and Julie and and all that. And I did notice that the lump had grown to about the size of a peanut M&M. And I thought, oh, I'll bring it up with her when I see her in May. And approaching May, we had a lot going on in our family. Mm-hmm. Andrea was graduating from mm-hmm. high school. Drew was graduating from college. And... Uh, I, I went into my oncology appointment. A blood work was fine. Everything was on cue. And I said, oh, hey, by the way, do you want to check this again? And she says, that is that has grown a little bit bigger. And I said, yeah, yeah, it has. And she says, well, I probably should send you to our ear, nose, and throat oncologist just to make sure. And I said, okay, thinking again. Mm-hmm. This isn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. some weird, freaky thing. And I went and saw him, and the first thing he said was, "This is a this is a lymph node," and I knew wow. right away. Wow. I knew, and that was at the beginning of May. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I decided, mm-hmm. as a mom, I can't. Yeah, I cannot ruin. Yeah, Andrea's graduation, and we have too many things going on. With uh, Drew played baseball mm-hmm. at college, and we had parents night and his graduation and I thought I cannot ruin that great time in their life and so I I told the surgeon we can't do anything until the end of May I can't have surgery until all of this is happening and so I just Mm. carried on and that was really difficult because I did not want to ruin that yeah just didn't want to ruin that 
Mm-hmm. And and in, in the meantime, we were uh, planning a wedding for the next year. And, you know, I just didn't want to, that's such a big, those are big events for kids. And I didn't want to take that. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to put that dark cloud over that because it's so fun. You know, I it's know. so fun. I know. But then um, mm-hmm. uh, Andrea's, we, we got through that and then we told the kids and then I had mm-hmm. surgery and and it came back positive for lymphoma again. Mm-hmm. Not that it, uh, it, they considered it a whole new different kind of um, cancer, even though it was lymphoma, but there's so many cell types mm-hmm. that they continue, mm-hmm. uh, consider it a, uh, mm-hmm. um, a different cancer, like a different, what do I want to say, is if I had breast cancer, it would mm-hmm. just be, I had cancer twice. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it, again, doing the mom thing and... Mm-hmm. I think that can get to you after a while, mm-hmm. just yeah. trying to pretend that there's nothing wrong and everything yeah. is fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I can understand what you're saying about the hardening a little bit of that too, of just feeling like you just have to go through, you just have to go through the motions. You just have to do what you have to do, get mm-hmm. through certain things before you can let the gravity of it all. It, gravity is a good word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we by the time you, like I said, there's so many tests and procedures that they have to do to finally pinpoint yeah. diagnosis and the kind of treatment, you know, that went all through the summer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the midst of summer, mm-hmm. I lost a really good friend that was suffering from cancer in there. And then we lost an, another good friend um, to a heart episode. And mm-hmm. you, you just, I think mm-hmm. that whole summer was just extremely heavy. And I, I think I just was so hardened, like, what in the world is going on with mm-hmm. this world? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, we ran into, um, I begged my doctor, can we not start treatments until after we moved Andrea to college? Because mm-hmm. I did not want to be sick. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to move her into her yeah. dorm room. So then yeah. I started the next day. And we yeah. just, and this time around, it was, it, I shouldn't say better. But I was relieved somewhat that I didn't have to do chemo. I just had to do radiation. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. that radiation is a piece of cake at all. That's right. that's a right. different yeah situation yeah. in all itself. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I think it you just uh, it's the mama thing of yeah. protecting your kids. Yeah, yeah. And I think as you think through all of those losses that you walked through with people that you were very close to, I think sometimes we can be tempted to to feel like okay, I've already had my hard thing in life. I should be exempt from all of these Mm -hmm. other hard things. So when they do hit you, and especially with you one after another, after another, it's, it's a lot, it's heavy. And I just, again, I wonder what were your conversations with God like during that time? I mean, my, I probably a little bit of crabbiness. Yeah. And I remember, I remember, I remember, uh, yeah. Sitting in my backyard going, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) see, I already did one for the team already. Um, um, and I, and, and we shouldn't have, I, what? I Mm -hmm. mean, I just Mm -hmm. was like, I don't understand. And I think I was very stunned about the second diagnosis. Cause as you said, I think I, I, I thought, okay, good. I got my tragic thing of my life done and over with. Okay. Yeah. And I, it really took, took me by surprise and, you know, it knocked me down and just, being then an empty nester, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I think what hardened me or really just laid me flat was, I didn't have kids to, I I didn't have that. I I did all those things that yeah. they weren't there. So like the distraction almost the help the mm-hmm. distraction that they are mm-hmm. where you keep going for them. Yeah. So it was just it was a yeah. little bit harder. Yeah. 
um, mentally for sure. And I can relate, you know, with grief, I feel like that threw us into kind of a new way to have these conversations with God too. They just became more real and more honest and more kind of just open and brutal at times of just, you know, telling him what I was thinking and feeling instead of feeling like everything has to be tied up into a little bow. I just needed to sometimes vent and express my frustrations and my hurt and my sadness. And, um, I don't know. I think that that's a a more honest way to live anyway. I I think so. And I'm a, I kind of, I like to talk things over. I like to, to, to just lay it on on the table and it would make me feel better. But, um, and I don't know if it's kind of like going through, um, stages of grief with, um, post cancer mm-hmm. treatments mm-hmm. um i'm probably uh, to be honest with you i'm probably more anxious now cuz i think when you went through it the first time you go oh okay that's my thing but when it hits twice it's like mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. when's it going to hit again when's mm-hmm. it going to hit again and so i think you kind of i'm more anxious mm-hmm. i'm probably a little more crabby i'm a little more punchy i'm mm-hmm. i'm not feeling comfortable. I don't know where I'm supposed to be at. And, um, I, so that's probably honestly my struggle right now is the, what, what do you want me to take a right or a left? And I really want a clear sign, but I think he's, there's a message in there and I'm trying to find it. I'm just trying to find it. Yeah. But thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that is very relatable. I think that's how a lot of people feel. Is just this feeling of, okay, what what is next? Um, trying to fight the fear and anxiety and also just trying to be in tune to what God has and mm-hmm. how he can use you. And you touched on it a little bit about leaving, you know, your house out in the country open and people dropping stuff off. But I would love for you to share just a little bit about things that were helpful for you, um, especially just for my my friends that are listening who maybe somebody just recently was diagnosed with cancer or they've recently been diagnosed with cancer or their neighbor or, you know, just what's helpful, what's not helpful, what should they say? What should they not say? I mean, do you have a couple things that you can remember? Wow. This was super helpful or yeah, don't ever say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I relate it a lot to maybe a loss or a grief. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably one of the hardest things and maybe you can relate to this too, is people don't know what to say, Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. when you're standing there and you're 35 pounds thinner and you have no hair Mm -hmm. and they, they're like, Oh, Oh, Oh gosh, there's Jen. I I don't know what I, Mm -hmm. and it it scares them. Mm -hmm. The look of somebody with cancer, it's a scary look. It's a scary look. I think just acknowledging, Mm -hmm. um, is so helpful. Not even acknowledging, like for instance, I remember being at Walmart, one time and I was uh, getting a gift and I had my base, I wore baseball caps and a stranger came up to me and said, I love your cap. Keep Mm -hmm. going. Mm -hmm. And I was like, thanks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think avoiding somebody is very difficult, but everybody Mm -hmm. has to handle things how they're comfortable with. So you try not to get offended Mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. Um, People just showed up. People just, um, like I said, mm-hmm. just dropped food off. Mm-hmm. I had gals raise my kids for the whole summer, and I just told the kids, mm-hmm. "You have to obey whatever their rules are in their yeah. car." Uh, yeah. Y- y- uh, it, food was probably the the best for the ki- if you have younger kid if they have mm-hmm. kids at home and a husband. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just, you don't even have to say anything. I think if somebody just showed up and held my hand Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or just Mm -hmm. sat with me in silence, because there's a lot of times I couldn't even watch TV. I couldn't read anything. The movement of the TV would make me feel sick to my stomach. It was, mm-hmm. it was just bizarre. It's like you were on a ship boat, and I was constantly seasick all the time. So if I just sat quiet, then I was better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think just constantly reaching out, but probably my number one favorite thing mm-hmm. uh, the first time around um, was I would sit in the window and wait for the mailman to come. Mm-hmm. And I received probably about three cards a day. And I read and saved each one of them, whether mm-hmm. I knew the person mm-hmm. or knew them, but just a card saying, just want to let you know I was thinking about mm-hmm. you. And I would strive for that every day. Mm-hmm. And I could hardly walk to the mailbox. I, I have a funny thing. I used to wear my robe jammies out and I'd carry the phone with me, but I would just, I couldn't walk very far because I was just not well. And I would sit in the driveway for a little bit, rest up, and then I'd go several more steps, sit down, mm-hmm. rest up. Mm-hmm. But I was going to get those letters mm-hmm. out of that mailbox because mm-hmm. that's what kept me mm-hmm. going. And I saved everyone and I still have them. I um, love that. that. Just a greeting card. And you don't even have to really say anything. You just right. say, thinking of you or you're on my mind. Yeah. I, yeah. That was probably my number one. I love that. And it, it is. It's just being reminded that people haven't forgotten about you in your struggle because it's very isolating Mm -hmm. it's um Mm -hmm. you you feel alone even though you know you're not alone Mm -hmm. and again it's hard it was hard for it's Mm -hmm. hard for me to ask Mm -hmm. for help yeah um yeah Yeah. um i would you were talking about things that probably didn't help as much um uh, scented things it's Mm -hmm. kind of like when you're pregnant you know Mm -hmm. how funny things get to you and it's i had a hard time with yeah scented lotions yeah. that was a big thing you've um, taught me that I would have never thought of that since mm-hmm. I couldn't it was mm-hmm. very nice gesture mm-hmm. but I felt bad that I couldn't use them because I didn't like this the the smells the scents mm-hmm. something that smells yeah and you also told me things that are soft yeah weird it it's yeah. weird I think it's just how chemo uh, chemotherapy affects your nerves mm-hmm. and stuff but like the comfort of softness, cozy softness things, um, mm-hmm. cozy blanket, cozy mm-hmm. socks. You're always cold, mm-hmm. um, comfortable lounging clothes um, that look presentable. Like if someone stops by, because mm-hmm. you don't want to wear jeans, yeah. you don't. You're yeah. not in the mood for that. And yeah, um, yeah. just yeah. Um, comforting things like that. Yeah, I would say. What are some things that you think? have happened um to change your perspective i mean how how have both of these cancer journeys just what you've walked through with losing a bunch of friends within a short period of time covid i mean just the last 10 15 years all that you've had to walk through um if you look at jen then and you look at jen now good bad ugly i mean what are some things that you think this is my perspective now or this is how i I strive to be grateful now, or this is how I want to be kinder now, or just what are some things that you've seen shift? Um, I would say way back when I was probably more outgoing. Uh, and again, again, the kids help. Mm-hmm. I would say, uh, I, it, it hardened me. I'm a little more, um, invisible right now. Uh, but what I've strived to do, and we kind of, I kind of started that with, uh, 
with the loss of our friend Julie. Mm-hmm. It was she was such a giver and so intentional. And um, you know, with COVID, we didn't really have closure of actually you know going to see her being sick mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the funeral we had to watch on TV. Um, it, to me, it makes me feel better if I can do something kind for somebody else mm-hmm. to to rustle up that. Mm-hmm. feeling in your soul you don't feel like being kind you don't feel like you're very self-absorbed um if so i try to just keep i i probably try to do a random act of kindness to a stranger every day just to make me feel better about that's mm-hmm. what we're supposed to do you you cannot my, it's changed my personality somewhat. I don't want to be crab. I'm not a crabby person. I'm very, uh, I laugh a lot. I'm extremely loud. And um, <laughs> you're one of the funniest people I know. I, actually. I like you're to be a great funny. I like humor and stuff. And I, and I do look yeah. at humor stuff, but you know, it, it's, it's, mm-hmm. I, I truly understand your, <clears throat> your phrase fighting for joy. Mm-hmm. It's a, I'm fighting. But I believe I have a lot of perseverance mm-hmm. in my in my blood, mm-hmm. and I'm very mm-hmm. stubborn. Mm-hmm. And it, I I the kindness is that I just try to turn that around every day. I don't feel like it, but mm-hmm. and just trying to I I'm right now my theme is just be still. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm doing a lot of be stilling, and <laughs> uh, like last yeah. yesterday it was nice out, and actually. Jeff thought, what in the world is she doing? But I went out to my patio and I laid down on the mm-hmm. patio, just face up. And I thought, okay, mm-hmm. all right, what, what are, what is your message today? Tell me where I'm supposed to go. And knowing that I was doing this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so I'm, I try to ground myself like that. Just be quiet and just mm-hmm. maybe he's whispering something mm-hmm. that I'm supposed to hear. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to just zip it. And, That's and you guys probably have seen a change in me too. I, it's not my personality to be isolated. It really isn't. We've had but to try to pull you out. I know. You, know, you keep pulling me yeah. out. I, I can't, okay, I'm coming. <laughs> but I, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit either, though. I think that maybe that is how you feel, you know, some of the hardened stuff and just isolating yourself a little bit more, being that invisible um, like you mentioned. But I think for those looking from the outside in, um, I mean, you serve people at great cost to yourself with your time and your energy and you're very generous and give so much and you are kind and you are a light and you are wanting to help and step in and be the person for somebody who needs somebody. And I think, um, you know, that's why those of us that are friends with you in your little circle too, just don't want to let you stay there. You know, we're we have something coming up this summer that we were talking about. And you're like, I don't know if I want to go. And, I, and we would just said, we really want you to go. Just try it. Just go, you know, and trying to just kind of pull you out a little bit because um, we need your perspective. You know, we need to um, <clears throat> be with the gen that you are now and learn from what you've walked through. And you have fought for joy. I wouldn't have you on the podcast if I <laughs> felt like you were somebody who was curmudgeon and just sitting around, you know. <laughs> But I love the be still idea too, because there, I mean, the voices and the noise in, in this world right now are negative, they're overwhelming, they're constant. And I think that that is a great tool in the fight for joy is to quiet yourself a little bit more, shut down some of the 
the noise and be more selective about what you put in and just listening, just listening. I, I think so. I think, um, you know, my mom used to say to me all the time, sometimes you talk way too much. Um, and then actually <laughs> Jeff heard something the other day is God gave you one mouth and two ears for a reason. So it, it's kind of been the theme of, I'm just, I, I'm just trying to be quiet. I'm just mm-hmm. trying. It's very hard for me because I'd love to visit with people and I, I'm, I'm out there. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm similar to our friend Jody. Um, she's out there. I mean, uh, but mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm striving. I, I keep marching and, um, God and I talk every day and I, and I know mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. thinking, Oh, Jen, oh man, she's <laughs> calling again. Okay. <laughs> And I have this, I have this, we have this kind of an inside joke that the first round of cancer that I went through, um, one of my real good friends, moms gave me this bracelet and I wrote the passage down. It's the Psalm 91. He shall give his angels charge over you Hmm. to keep you in your ways. And I, I took that bracelet with me and I held it a lot in my hand on those really dark days. And we've always joked of, those angels going, oh my goodness, she's a lot. We're going to need extra help here. And, and it's like, oh, Jen's calling again. Who wants to take this phone call from Jen up in heaven? <laughs> Jen's calling again. Oh, so, I mean, I it's, it. I, I try to look at it that way. I'm like, I know, I, I know I'm a little high maintenance, uh, but. But never too much for God. And that is the beautiful thing. Like he, he does, he hears us and he, he cares and he provides. And I love it. What, as we end here, what. What hope do you have to give to somebody who is maybe just finding out they have cancer or somebody they love has cancer? Kind of what is something you would want to leave them with, a way to end this on how they can keep fighting for joy and just the fact that there is hope to persevere through this, what's ahead? Hope is hope is a big word. Um, I would not look at the, the number stages, the stage that they give you, would not look at that. I would, I, I'm very thankful that I grew up in a faithful um, family and my mom taught me a lot and, and, um, whether you're extremely faithful or you're very private about that, you learn real quick to pull that out of your soul. It was planted there Mm. and it grows and it is like a, a solid rock. Um, it is, uh, something that's not going to, um, break it's you may be standing on it and the wave will keep coming and coming but you know there's handles on that rock and for some reason it just it remains wow and um you just have to grasp onto that and you have to grasp on just looking forward always look forward to something always keep just keep walking on the water keep going just keep facing forward and um Accept the help from people. Uh, mm. Let them in. Mm. Um, just grasp. Just hold on tight. Mm. Just hold on tight. Put the seatbelt on. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, and it's easy for me to say this as I'm out, but we have to look at it as if, if cancer is the winner in your situation, you do not lose. You're going to a fantastic place. Mm. And mm. 
so don't be scared of that Mm -hmm. just hold on and 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 you won't be alone you never fight alone with cancer ever 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 never you don't fight alone and you have to remember that to strive for that and I, I don't know if that answered your question. Yes, yeah, I can't think of a better um, way to end. That is, you do beautiful. not fight alone. Mm-hmm. That's and beautiful. Even though you feel like that, yeah. And I have to eat my words sometimes because I always like to tell people you don't fight alone, but yeah. you do yeah. feel isolated. But just, yeah. just be open. Yeah, and it's beautiful. That's all well, I can say. God is our rock and the community around you. Yeah, you're never alone. Thank you so much for listening today. If you were helped or encouraged by this episode, please share it with others. I would also love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.